This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7, we're talking travel. Sally Lucas joins me, Jane Klein. And Sally, today, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you, Jane. And today we're heading for the air. Yes, I just thought I'd let people know about a few changes that are happening that hopefully will benefit everybody out there and in the travel marketplace. So we'll just go through a few of those. Um, firstly, V Australia, which is part of the Richard Branson network of airlines. You've got Virgin Blue, V Australia, Pacific Blue and Polynesian Blue, but they're all part of the same under the one umbrella. Um, he is now introducing new international routes and destinations for V Australia, which is Thailand, South Africa and Los Angeles. And these were announced this week, uh, Monday of this week, and the fares are actually on sale now. So there's some fabulous fares out there, like they're introducing one-way fares calling Tuk Tuk to Thailand, which is the old little, you know, putt putt that you went round um, Bangkok in, which there's not many of them anymore, of course. But um, You ex- hope, hope better from the uh, V-Australia via, via airway. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. And they were such pollutant little things as well, weren't they, those tuk-tuks? They would belch out all this black smoke. <laughs> it's just the memory of them sounds good. I, I know it and does. It's, it's a cute name, isn't it? Very cute. Tuk-tuk. Anyway, ex-Brisbane and Melbourne, these are going to be, but don't forget you'll be able to get your virgin connections through to other cities. So they've got their landing rights basically out of Brisbane and Melbourne for these new fares. And the one-way tuk-tuk to Thailand is going to start from three ninety nine, And um, they're calling it far-out safari return fares to Johannesburg from Melbourne, which will start from only eighteen ninety nine. And these are really, really good fares. So the Brisbane to Phuket will be going twice a week from the 22nd of November. The Melbourne to Phuket is just going once a week from the 3rd of December. Melbourne to Los Angeles twice weekly from 1 December and Melbourne to Johannesburg won't be until March next year but they'll be, they're just saying direct flights we don't know how many at this stage but that will be happening in March next year and the airlines also lodged an application with the um, International Air Services Commission for permission to and slots to operate flights between Australia and Fiji as well so he's a very go-ahead man Richard Branson and I guess this is helping keep our prices down by having more airlines on these routes to make more competition obviously and give us better fares so just keep that in mind that we've got all these things happening, which is really, really great. And the other thing that was announced this week as well, that um, the agreement's going to be taken with New Zealand over the, uh, to take it to a new level, really, fares over the next few months, not just fares, but the rules, that uh, travel between here and the Trans-Tas, across the Trans-Tasman, won't be international, considered international anymore. So it, it'll be like going a domestic to another flight. state? Yes, which means this will drop the departure tax and apparently it'll become a pretty competitive air war as well uh, to do these routes which means we could end up also having more flights not just out of Sydney but into one domestic airport to another for example like we started or tried to at one stage Newcastle Rotorua and so on or Newcastle Hamilton I think it might have been at the time but yeah so this could benefit us in the long run as well so that's a marvellous thing to start happening and they say it'll drop the fares probably to as low as you know around about $130 each way to New Zealand also and this will be absolutely major if this is comes through. We've always had bilateral agreements between us and the European Union where our home airline Qantas and the home airline of the country you're flying into are the only two airlines that are allowed to fly direct between those countries. So in other words, for example, British Airways and Qantas have the landing rights between here and London. The other airlines that go there, of course, still have to go via their home port. So they've got landing rights, for example, Singapore Airlines, Sydney, Singapore. Then they've got landing rights, Singapore, London, which is why they have that change of flight and flight number. Same with Thai and so on. So they're trying to break down this barrier now that will mean that airlines don't have to abide by that bilateral agreement anymore and that 
that will introduce obviously more flights and they can decide how many flights a week they won't be restricted and also that again with extra competition more seats i'm sure will will bring airfares down so all this is great news as i said and so yeah just keep your eye on all this happening i'm sure there'll be lots about it in the press um but just fantastic for air travelers that we are really going to have a bit of a price war i'd say and let's hope that these bilateral agreements do drop between us and the european union it would be wonderful wouldn't it ah keep some traveling going yes yes and at a cheaper level because we you just have to fly so far, you know, other than the new destinations like Africa or Europe. It's a long way. It is a long way. And the fares often aren't as competitive as they could be, but hopefully this might not change. Might. We're talking travel on 2NURFM 103.7, thanks to our sponsor Travel World on King. And Sally Lucas, we've been looking at some airline news today. We are, and I guess what I just wanted to talk about one little bit longer, if I may... There's an article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week that said, What Price Just a Little Space? by one of their travel writers. And they were saying in that that a seat in our car is luxury by compa- uh, comparison to the standard economy airline, which is a miserable little space, as they <laughs> described it. Um, there's just enough room for your knees. And, of course, if you're over six feet tall, it can be torture. Um, so you can go onto the Seat Guru website, and that will let you know the actual pitch between seats of all the airlines, pitch. or most airlines. Pitch being the, the, the distance mm-hmm. from one seat to the other. And as you know, some people are very discourteous and will put their seat way back with their head almost in your lap for the whole flight and don't think of the person behind them. So if it's important to you, if you're a person that is above average height, you really need to look at this and look at the airline that might offer you more space because it obviously is a comfort thing when you're on a long flight particularly. Because all these aircraft have different configurations. They do. Well, this is it. They have different configurations. And, of course, now that they're increasing more premium economy and business class, that's reduced reducing the amount of economy space. But they still want enough people in there to pay the fares, so they're reducing the pitch. So sometimes the pitch between the seats is less than it was years ago and we were just travelling on 707s or so on. So you've just got to keep that in mind. And they still talk inches on airlines, not centimetres. It's inches is the pitch between the seats. Now, the average economy class seat now has only 31 inches, and it used to be 33. Now, that mightn't sound much, but two inches can mean quite a bit. And so if you go onto this website, it will tell you, you know, what the pitch is between seats, particularly we're talking economy class. We know we get plenty of space in the other areas, so that, that's fine. Apparently, Air New Zealand is fairly generous, but again, it depends on its routes. So again, don't assume that the airline has the same pitch for all its aircraft. So that's why you need to look and look at the route that you're travelling and work that one out. And I guess at the end of the day, is If it's a big issue for you, are you prepared to pay that little bit extra, which has been, of course, discussed recently, and some airlines are doing this. I must admit, if it was me and I was over six foot or six foot three at tall, like some people are six foot seven even, I, I wouldn't quibble so long as it wasn't a ridiculous amount to pay, to have to know you've got that emergency exit or that seat that gives you that extra pitch. And I guess that's what people have to decide, you know, what, what, what would they prefer? It's their choice, of course. Um, the airline that gives more pitch, would you believe, is a low-cost airline in America, America's JetBlue. They're, they're fabulous. They've got leather seats. It's just amazing. They, and they operate some fantastic routes within America, and they're, they're really a good economy-based airline, not like Ryanair, which you never seem to get any good feedback about at all. But anyway, um, I guess you get what you pay for. You've just got to realise it's like a seat on a bus at the end of the day when you're flying with some of these low-cost airlines. Some are better than others. So they've got a 34-inch pitch. And if you want a 38-inch seat, you can pay an extra US $10 for short haul and US 20 for long haul. So what an incredible thing they're doing. 
Having said that, though, most of the Asian carriers, I'm not saying all, do have a bit more pitch between their economy sleets, like Malaysia, Singapore and Thai would be the three best if you're looking at that sort of route. So, yeah, just go onto the Seek Guru website and check that. But it is important, particularly, as I said, if you're a tall person, to have that comfort on a long-haul flight. So that's SeekGuru.com. Yep. Excellent. That's it. Okay. Let's uh, go just, to Dubai. Let's go to Dubai. I just thought it's been in the news a lot lately with a, a lot of Australians maybe not doing the right things over there with their property development. But having said all that, I guess it's one of those places, I guess, is either, I don't know, loved or loathed, I suppose, like Vegemite, isn't it? You either like it or you don't. Because I guess it's it's just grown so fast and so quickly. But I think you can still get and see a bit of the old if you're prepared, like any city or any country, to delve. And so you've still got your souks, which, you know, have been around in Arabia for many, many years, where you can do your little bargaining and where you can get anything from probably rubbish to to gold and silver and, you know, all those sort of things. And you've also got a lot of um, restaurateurs coming in there, even Gordon Ramsay, you know, a lot of top French chefs. So they're realising Dubai is becoming quite the place for people to go and a lot of sporting events are held there now Jane which you've probably seen yourself over a period of time and we get I know there's a rugby sevens there there's motorsport um, tennis um, lots of things like that and of course they've got that wonderful indoor ski area I mean it's just unbelievable you can still go out into the desert and do your real desert dune bugging Um, you know your shopping malls are just unbelievable and Abu Dhabi they're saying is get a try and you know up it and try and compete. At the moment, though, Abu Dhabi is still quite a way, you know, behind in their development as far as Dubai is concerned. It's still got probably a lot more of the old, but it doesn't really have a lot for tourism yet. So there's not a lot really to do there other than maybe break your journey and just a day would be enough until they start maybe developing more, you know, facilities for tourists because it really hasn't been promoted that way before. It's only about 160 k's between the two, but actually Abu Dhabi is still the richest of the Emirates because of the oil. So, you know, they've got millions, they're sitting on millions and millions and probably billions of dollars of oil underneath them. So they're a very, very wealthy country, and I'm sure they're going to go ahead and develop even further. But, I mean, they're good stepping off points to other places as well within that Middle East region. Um, you know, if you wanted to go into Oman and, you know, Jordan or etc., because there's some wonderful sightseeing. And Emirates, of course, you can do um, duck down into East Africa, into Nairobi and Kenya. They're all increasing their routes, both those airlines. All, all Etihad is the one into um, Abu Dhabi, and that's a fabulous airline to fly with as well. As we're talking airlines, they've got a very high standard of service, even again in economy, good pitch between the seats, uh, good menu. They try and treat economy class passengers not like second class citizens, in other words, which sometimes you feel like you are on, on, on some airlines, obviously. So Dubai is a very interesting place to stop and just have that few days. I mean, it, it's just fascinating what they've done over this period of time. I said, whether, whether you like it or not, I still think it's quite fascinating to see the development of what's happened with Dubai and whether that's going to happen with Abu Dhabi, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But there's still interesting stop-off points if you want to break your journey on the way through to Europe and England. Well, thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. We'll be talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM 103.7.